Bonnie Morris. Welcome to Politics Done Right here at Netroots Nation 2023. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good, and thank you for having me. Well, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, first of all, what brought you to Netroots Nation? Well, I, a friend of mine uh, who created a documentary called What These Walls Won't Hold that I'm probably featured in uh, had came out and screened his documentary out here last week. I couldn't make it with him. And so he said, hey, man, do you want to go next week to this conference? He knows my organization, No More Tears, that right. we do work around social justice reform. We're going to talk about your organization. Right. So he knew I'd do that work. He said, there's this great conference, conference that's going on, and you might want to go to it and think it would be beneficial. Where are you out of? I'm out of Oakland. Oakland, yeah. California? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I came. So I'm here now. And just now kind of, what was your first impression when you saw all that we have to offer here at Netroots? Well, I mean, it seems like a really cool, like I said, this is my first time coming. I didn't, I didn't even know what Netroots was, to be honest with you. Right. Uh, it seems like a pretty, you know, uh, exciting space. It seems like there's a lot of work being done around progressive politics. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure what my full impression is, because I'm just learning. You're just learning. It's my first, the day. first day. Yeah, exactly. The first few hours right. of the first exactly. day. Exactly. And I don't, yeah. and I didn't know about Netroots from anything else before uh, he informed me about it. Well, one of the things that I like to feature here on my program is activists that are out there doing the work. Mm -hmm. uh, I think too often they're not featured as they should. Right. What kind of work are you doing? So uh, my organization is called No More Tears, and we were started 21 years ago in San Quentin State Prison. And we work around violence intervention prevention, uh, and we do uh, restorative uh, uh Practices. What is it? What you so, so sort of practice healing circles are where we get with survivors of violent crime and and uh, uh, perpetrators of violent crime, and we work together to reconcile their differences in terms of those who have created harm and those who have experienced harm. Mm -hmm. And we say all of us have experienced harm on some level or another, mm -hmm. and all of us have done harm on some level or another. So, if we can come together in a space where we're equal mm -hmm. in terms of our experiences and we can share those experiences, then we can find healing. Function, I, I hear the, 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 the aura around it. How do you actually bring people into the fold, get a clientele? Right. So, so we work inside, primarily inside San Quentin State Prison. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, That's so one of major heard of yeah so it's one of the yeah. major prisons in, in the United States of America. So we work there primarily, we go in, twice a week. On um, Saturdays, we do workshops, right? And those workshops are around, like I said, responses, violence, and change your mindset. Because we understand that the first thing we have to do is get people to think about what is violence and how does violence play out in our lives and why many people in prison were violent prior right. to coming to prison. Some of us, while so we were sitting you want to know the genesis of the problem, unlike too many people. Well, we know the genesis. No, no, we know the, the no, we know the genesis. No, no, what I'm saying, though, what I'm saying is, you, you attack the core of the problem exactly. as opposed to people who just say you do something bad, we lock you exactly. up. You yeah. find out first, why are you why are you likely to do something bad? Yeah, well, we, well the people that we're dealing with have already done something bad because right. they're in prison. So, uh, or, or they've been accused of doing something bad. Some people in there are innocent, but right. most of us have done something. I, I'm formerly incarcerated myself. Right. So I'm speaking from experience, right? Right. So most of us have done something to get ourselves in prison. Now, there were a lot of conditions that led to what we did and led us to prison and so on right. and so on, right? But I'm just saying general. So we already know that people are sent into prison have done right. things that were contrary to what the social norm was. Right. So what we try to do is get those people to think about 
why they did what they did, right? right? What was the causative factors to their behavior? And then how do we change that? Right. How do we change your mindset so right. you can go back into society and function in a way that keeps you free of society and free right. of harming other people? Right. And uh, now you said you operate in, in the, how are you funded? Is it state funded or are you? We're, uh, so we're a volunteer organization, basically, right. and we get grants here and there. It's right. not a state funded organization, uh, we, but mostly volunteers and we get grants, you know, small grants here right. and there. So we operate like that uh, and our volunteers. Now, have you seen uh, successes? Uh, certainly. So in our, in our numbers that we, we've been able to uh, accumulate is that 85 to 90% of the people who go through our program and get released from prison, do not return to prison. So the recidivation rate is very, is, is very, very low. low. And, and of those who have returned, none of them have returned for violent crimes. Only a small percentage. For petty. Yeah, things, yeah, yeah, violation. You may, they might have been had a, a drug problem and they returned right. to using drugs right. or, or they uh, absconded from their right. parole officer or something like that there, but none right. of them have returned for violent crimes. Well, that, that, I, I would call that a big success, you know? It's certainly. We, I, we believe we're a very successful program, and the way we approach it is we meet people where they're at. Right. We, don't, we don't try to preach to people or talk down to them. We say that, man, we can't change you. You right. fundamentally have to change yourself, and that we can provide you with tools and a place and a space yeah. where you can feel safe enough to make those changes. And all, I think one of the things that you probably add to these folks that, that many of them are missing is you respect them, you respect exactly. the person. Right. And in, in starting by respect and them respecting you, right. many a times they want to honor right. those who show them respect and in doing so, improve on their own lives. Exactly. And, and the other part of it is, is that we have the lived experience. Most of, all of us, for the most part, mm -hmm. that founded the organization were incarcerated. Well, you know what, let me stop you right yeah. there because you, you bring something up. Um, you are one of the founders, I guess, of this I am the founder. You are the founder yes. of the organization. So I can ask you this directly. What allowed you to change your being into somebody who understood the concept of why I did what I did or many, I don't, I don't know what you do, right, I don't need right. to know what you did, but why many of us who've done this do it? What made you different from the others to go out there and say, you know what? I'm going to take control of this and do it myself. I am actually going to start fomenting change. Uh, that's a good question. So there's a number of things. One, uh, I almost got, I got stabbed uh, and almost was killed in prison. Um, that started it, kind of, so to speak, because I was living in the, what we call the thug life or the criminal lifestyle, even right. in prison, right? Right. Uh, when I got stabbed, they, they put me in what's called a hole, which right. is isolation and segregation. And when I was in there, I just started kind of thinking about right. my life because the doctor told me, hey, man, if this knife would have went an inch deeper, because he stabbed me right over my heart, right. if it would have an inch deeper, we wouldn't be here. You know right. what I'm saying? You, so you better think whatever God you believe in. Uh, for your life, right? right? And that made me think, man, if I die, you know, it's as over. a result of this, yeah. not just it's over, but what legacy would I have left? Right. Who would I have been? Could anybody at my funeral have said anything good about me and not be lying? Right. Right. So it made me start thinking about that. And I said, man, I don't want to live my life like that. Right. I don't want to be a person that doesn't contribute anything to life. And when I leave, people got to make up lies about right. who I was, right, to try to make me look like a good guy. Right. And so uh, that did, I didn't really change them, but that started the process. Right. And then over time, just as I met more people, I got involved in college, I got me a Bachelor of Arts degree in prison. And once I did that, that just really opened up my whole mindset right. to the possibilities of what I could be and could do in my life, right? And then once I realized that, 
I wanted to share that with other people, right? So I started saying, man, how can I con uh, connect with people in the community right. that's out there experiencing the violence, and particularly in Oakland in the late 90s and early 2000s, Oakland was like the murder capital of the world, mm -hmm. right? I mean, per capita, we was, more people was getting killed than anywhere else, right? right? And mostly all young black men, right? right? And so I thought that, man, maybe I can connect with them some kind of way because a lot of these young black men were coming into prison. So I couldn't get out of prison because I had a life sentence at that time. You had a life sentence? Yes, I had a life sentence, right. And so I couldn't get out of prison. So when the guys were coming in, I said, well, maybe I can start working with these guys in here right. to do something. So I got together with a group of people and said, hey, man, I want to start an organization and we want to do something to affect change in terms of the way people perpetrate and think about violence, right? And the way they, their mindsets, the way they think about their lives right. and what they're doing with their life. And so we started working together with a collective of about seven or eight of us, a couple of people, my, my uh, co-founder, Mick Gardner, mm -hmm. who was uh, instrumental, he's now our executive director. He was instrumental because he was not in prison, but he would come in every week and meet with us mm -hmm. so we could formulate this organization. Um, so him, uh, uh, Bobby Evans, a lot of guys. I don't want to try to name because right. I miss somebody's name. But a lot of people came together and we started working on this, developed a curriculum, started doing workshops in 2004, and we've been doing the workshops ever Lonnie, since. This all tells me that there is something in you already uh, that that causes Shana. And I guess what I'm trying to what I'm trying to reach right is um, you. What within, first of all, what made you do whatever it is that you did? Right. And secondly... We're talking about the crime? Yes. Okay. And 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 and, uh, and also, what within you... I understand when you said you wanted to leave a legacy. Right. But for you to want to leave a legacy means that you had this inner thing inside of you that said, I am somebody... Right something else i don't know what yeah no no so so and that's a good question too so yeah definitely I, so I, you know i came up in, in the in the 50s and 60s right and so the era where black power you right. know what i'm saying was at its height in the, right. particularly in the 60s right so i came up under that right. kind of tutelage right? right and so i understood that i had value that I, right. as a black man that i had worth and i had value right uh where i got distracted at was when you come up against this racist system right. and it's not fair, right. then you start thinking, at least I did, and another, another number of other young black men that was coming up like me, we started thinking, this thing ain't fair, so they ain't playing fair, so why should I? Uh, you see what I'm saying? That is, that is a, that's a, what I wanted. Right, to yes, yes, yes. So we started thinking like that. Why should I play fair? They ain't playing fair. So guess what? I'm not gonna play by your rules. You know what I'm saying? You say you can't do this, you can't commit crime, you can't harm people, yeah, I can. You know what I'm saying? You harming me, committing crimes against me. So that was the thinking or the justification for the behavior. Right. Even though the behavior was wrong. Right. Let me get that out there. But that was the thinking and the justification. I get that. I'm glad that you said that because you, you open up another thing for me. And the other thing now is then, I get that. Right. As far as, well, you're not going to flay the rules. How comes, though, that a lot of, uh, it's a silly question, mm -hmm. but I want, I want the okay. audience to hear it, that a lot of this crime that is created is among the same the, the same group because uh, the big thing about it is like black and black crime like yeah, is something right, right. strange when many don't realize that black and black crime is just as, almost the same as white on white crime right, but, right. but I mean um, you know uh, given that it was something that you say against the system right. how comes it, it was mostly black and black crime so now that's really cool because I think that when, when you look at the conditions under which we come up right and 
the nature of the reality of any human being, whether right. black, white, brown, or young, right. most of the times we lash out at the things that's closest to us. That's Be what I Yes, mean. because it's difficult to get to the things at a distance. So, right. so the system, right, I can't get to the system per se, but dude on the street corner, I can get to him. Right. And so there's there's been a dearth of what we call respect, right? right? And then there's been this false illusion of what a respect really is. Exactly. So all that lends itself to me saying, I gotta establish myself again as somebody in this world. And to do that, I'm willing to step on you, you, you. And the person I'm gonna step on first is usually the person that's closest to me. Right. Because they're in, they in proximity to right. me. So it's right. easier right. to step on you than it is to step right. on somebody that's 10 miles away or 100 miles away or across the country, whatever, right? So I think a lot of what we see is the black on black crime is related directly to this being put in the these squats, yeah, the proximity, and put in these environments, depressed environment, oppressive environments, where anger, fear, uh, disillusion, right. all these other things are bred into those environments. I'm glad you gave context to that because uh, and that, that that would be the same rationale that explains white on white crime or. Right. Asian on Asian right, crime, etc., right. etc. Et and I think unless that is expanded on, right. as you said, right, what we get is we get a false notion that somehow when people see black kids shooting up each right. other, they don't get the gist of it. That right. well, you know, the for the white kids who shoot up against each right. other, it's the, it's the same thing. Or for the Asian kids, it's it's the environment. Now, if they say, well, on a percentage basis, there is more uh, crime in the black. Community really, yeah. You also have to put out and say exactly what you pointed out mm -hmm. earlier on. Right. Given that you're in a society uh, where you know you're where there's deprived, and those that are deprived right. move on to do these things. Right. It happens the same in Appalachia, where right. it's a white community. Right. Yes. It happened the same in the barrios. Right. 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 Community it happens the same in the black right. community. Yeah, well, I, I'll say generally, yeah, but I do think there's another added element to it. Oh, because we, I, yeah. I, I, I want to hear that. Well, the element of slavery. I mean, yeah. because the legacy of slavery, we have a tendency to kind of overlook that as, you know, kind of just make it like a byproduct of something. Right. But the legacy of slavery among black folks is alive and well, right? So we were taught self-hatred, right? During the slavery era, then even post-slavery era, right? We were still that self-hatred was perpetuated. So this, the identifier of self-hatred is in our genetic makeup, right. right? So that lends itself to where it's whites, uh, Asians, they were not taught this kind of self hatred to the degree that we were taught. So, right. so I think that plays another role in-, in and It's good to expand on that, right. Lonnie. It's very, I think it's important, in fact, to expand right. on what you just said, that there is inherently right. maybe more violence in, in that community and what you just pointed out it's yes it's there a lot of it is socioeconomic right. but do not leave the component of slavery so yeah the, the emotional and psychological impact right. of it of slavery has wreaked havoc on our community you know i i think you're i think you're making me rethink a few things right. in the way you said that i think I think that that component is a, it's likely a component that I hadn't mm. added. You know, I know about it, but I don't think I've added that into right. what I'm doing. So I think that is a very, very necessary. Well, think about, point. just think about this. Yeah. The N-word, right? Right. So in the 60s, and right. I tell young people this all the time, that was an anathema. You right. couldn't use the N-word around right. black folks. You right. just, you like the brother was just talking about, about being woke. 
Right. That, that was woke. We didn't have the terminology right, then, right. but that was woke then, man. Using that the N word. Right. That was oh man, no, nah, you get kicked out the car. Right. You couldn't even be around black folks using that, right? right. Especially in, in in public spaces, right? Right. Now behind closed doors, you know, people do what they do, but right. in public spaces like what's now. In, on the radio airways, right. where it's everywhere all the time, right. in the movies, everything, that was that was unheard of, right? But again, it's permitted. Going back to the legacy of slavery, right? It's permitted by the 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 the, the powers that be, whether it's radio, television, right? That word can be used by anybody, anytime, right? For the most, particularly if you're black, right? right? And nothing gets said or done, right. right, about it. But there are certain words, if you use some against, and I'm not being biased or racist or nothing, I'm just being honest. Use a, a, a negative word against a gay person or use a negative word against a Jewish person, you're going to get called a task for it. Right. You're going to have a problem, right? Right. right? But again, so that's the legacy of slavery, that this ideal that psychologically we continue to perpetuate negative reinforcement of us as a people and we've now even gone to the degree to where we say, oh, we you show it with love. We don't use it with the N-I-G-G-E-R, we use the N-I-G-G-A. Yeah. Come on, Makes man, no knock sense. it off. Yeah. Don't make no sense at all, bro. Right. Same word, the root of the word is the same. White, and I tell young black folks, they try to tell me, I said, look, man, let me tell you something. White folks in the South didn't know, didn't know how to, and I want to use the word, but I won't, didn't know how to say the N-I-G-G-E-R. Right. Because right. they were Southern and people. And that's why it was N-I-G-G-A. Thank you. They exactly. started that. Yeah, they, right. yeah that's what in, it in, 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 Interestingly, I'm glad you said that because I, I, that, w w about using that word. I once, I think I wrote a blog on this where right. I said, uh, if, I'm a, if I'm a rapper, right. and I'm a rapper using that word, right. And most of my music is is bought by right. non-black. Exactly. Right. How do I ask somebody to spend some money on my mm -hmm. on my uh, music? Right. Who can't sing it? Right. 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 No, that's the thing. You're right. That's a good point too. But but the thing is, they can't sing it because everybody's using it now yeah. because it's been made acceptable. Right. And it's crazy because I've talked to some people in the industry, the, you know, the music industry and in the, the radio and film industry, and they right. say, well, man, uh, you know, we're just catering to what you guys want, right? right. So, so you know, we we're, we don't want to be censoring right, people in the right. song, freedom of speech, blah, 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 right. blah. But again, on the flip side, there's other words you can't say, and you're not going to cater to that. They say certain other words, well, you're, not, you're done. You little baby, you're, you're, I mean, the baby is a prime example. You're canceled. Yes, right. exactly. So, yeah. so, so that's what I'm saying. So, so it goes back to this lack of respect for black folks, right? And this assumption that we're in some way inferior, so we're not gonna rise to the level of demanding that you refuse to use those words on the airways, or use, uh, allow people to use those words on the airways. Well, I, 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 I don't, please don't take this as no, con okay. condescending at all, but what I think you prove, mm -hmm. what you articulate, shows without a doubt uh, many a times the wasted lives mm -hmm. that we have right. here in our prison system yep. for what the, uh, the, the the justice system and the criminal justice right. system has done to our people. Right. Because the fact that uh, you, a person coming out of right. prison, right. can actually understand the deep concepts of what's going on right. socially and what have occurred previously in this country speaks a lot to me that we likely have a hell of a lot of wasted time. Oh, ain't no question. Sitting yeah. back, ain't no question in these yeah. areas. So, so give me a closer uh, of this mm -hmm. segment. Uh, 
what I would say, man, is that I think that conferences like this are good. And I, and I was telling a young lady uh, just earlier that um, the politics, this brother was kind of mentioning uh, the brother that was going before, the politics of this country doesn't really lend itself to real systemic social change, right? Um, because you got the two-party system, that's a problem. You got black folks basically catering to the Democrats. That's a problem because the Democrats can kind of take your vote for granted because they know, oh, you're not going to vote for a Republican. I just voted for the first time in an election, man, uh, because I never voted in my life. Didn't believe in voting. Uh, uh, went to prison, got out, and decided, because I got, in California, they restored the right to vote once you're out of prison. Right. right? You can't do it in prison yet. They're working on that. But so I said, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to try to vote there. When I was going down my ballot, bro, it was so crazy because I could, couldn't vote for the Republican because it's just, you know, it's, yeah. where they at, man, it's way out, right? But I couldn't, I distastefully voted for the Democrat. Right. Because I'm looking at some, I knew some of these people on the ballot. So I was right. like, oh, man, this dude, dude, hey, you know, whatever, right? But I still checked the box. Right. And after I did it and took my ballot in, I, was, I felt kind of like a shame, bro. Because I was like, why did I do that? Can, can I make yes. a corollary to that? Uh, I tell people, I, you did the right thing mm. in, in, in that you chose the lesser of two evils. Yeah, I don't like that term. I, 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 know, I know you yeah. don't like it. I don't like it either. Right. I'm using that. I, I'm just well, I speaking practically now. But I tell you one thing. That reinforces what we must do in primaries. Right. Well, so that we, when I say that, what I mean is we have to make sure that those who are going to apply on that, are going to appear on that final ballot. Right. Are acceptable, right? Acceptable. When I say acceptable, the candidates we really, really want. In other right. words, as an example, the progressive. Right. You go to a lot of Democratic uh, primaries right now. Mm -hmm. There is, uh, there may be somebody that's progressive that believes in social justice. Right, and, right, right, right. And then right. there's another establishment right. candidate, right. and they always tell you we got to vote for the establishment right. candidate because that's right. the person that can right. win. That's not a known factor or no. What we yeah. have to do is vote for that progressive person that believes in the values mm. we talk about, in my humble right. opinion. Right. And then that way, when you go to vote the next time and you have a Republican that you right. know is not serving you, the next right. person is going to be a candidate yeah. that will serve you. Right. Well, that's, I mean, philosophically, that sounds great. What I, what I think is, in this, in this kind of closing segment, is that we have to rethink how we do politics okay. in this in this country, particularly those of us of color. Uh, people of color, we make up a large segment of the voting population, yeah. right? Uh, the white population is shrinking, the people of color population is growing, right, in this country. So I think that, that when we say progressive, whatever term we want to use for it, if you're running in the mainstream political arena, you're still going to be subjective to the games that they play. Right. And they always got maneuvers. Even if you get in office as a progressive, right, right, right. we were talking just talking about OAC. Hey, they they starting to annihilate her in terms of shutting her down. Right. They ain't giving her the platform that she had before. At first, she was all over everything. Right now, she can't hardly get a platform at right. times. Right, so 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 there can always the system is designed to control people. Right, so they can always control quote the progressive or whoever unless we change the system. And give me your change with so, your eyes closer. So I think the change in the system means that we fundamentally start on a grassroots level and start putting people in power that's going to be beholden to us and that we're going to, like the brother was saying earlier, that we're going to demand right. that we're not going to just put you in power and say, oh yeah, go do what we just want. No, no. 
When you don't do what you're supposed to do, we're gonna put you out of power. I think I don't think we disagree at all. No, I don't think we disagree. I don't think we disagree. No, I'm not saying we yeah. disagree. I'm just saying the next level of that is recognizing that I don't care what your title is, mm-hmm. if you're not serving our interests, you're out of there. Right. Yeah, you're out of there. I don't care, progressive, whatever, the best person in the world, whoever, we love you to death and all that, you're out. See what I'm saying? Lonnie Morris. Hey, nice it's to meet been you. my pleasure yeah, speaking you to you, too, brother. brother. Okay? Yeah, thank you, you man. Yeah. And, uh, keep up doing the good work. Right on. Yeah. We need activists out there doing the work. And we need activists coming to these kind of organizations, not for themselves, right. but for what you can impart right. on others. Right on. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. All right. Hey, have a good one, man. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share.